Empower Radio presents the Dr. Julie Show, all things connected. Break through the illusion of separation, explore the infinite field of possibility, and make connections that inspire. Now, here's your host, Dr. Julie Crawl. Hello and welcome everyone. Welcome to the Dr. Julie Show, all things connected. Each week we gather right here to make connections that break through the illusion of separation. And today I am so thrilled to bring you a discussion on religion and spirituality and so many amazing things about where we might be going as a humanity. So, you know, everyone is talking about spiritual awakening these days. Even Newsweek recently released a 100-page special edition called Spiritual Living, where they explore meditation, healing, and the Great Awakening. They said the edition is for anyone who wants to awaken their soul. But what does that all really mean? Like, seriously, whether you stand in a specific religious tradition, consider yourself spiritual but not religious, or are merely an observer of the current religious and spiritual landscape, have you ever wondered if all the paths lead to the same place? Good question, huh? Is there a non-separative nature to reality? And could it be the same universal wisdom, the universal intelligence, a spiritual intelligence at the core of all traditions? Good questions to explore. I invite you to sit back and enjoy this exploration. Our guest today has some enlightening thoughts of his own. So take a few deep breaths. Bring your awareness into this moment. Open your mind. Connect with your heart. And settle into your essential self. As I introduce our guest, Dustin DePerna is a visionary leader, entrepreneur, and recognized expert in world religions. He's committed his life to making timeless spiritual wisdom relevant and accessible for a rapidly changing global society. Through writing, teaching, coaching, and entrepreneurship, Dustin helps individuals and groups to find happier and more fulfilling ways of being in the world. He's an author of three books, Streams of Wisdom, Evolution's Ally, and Earth is Eden. I love those titles. And he is co-editor of The Coming Waves. Among many spiritual teachers and masters that he's worked with, Dustin has spent more than a decade of close study with American philosopher Ken Wilber, who has publicly declared that Dustin's work fundamentally alters the way in which religion and spirituality can and should be taught and practiced. I love that quote, and it is so deserving. I couldn't agree with Ken Wilber more. Welcome, Dustin. Thank you, Julie. It's a pleasure to be here. Mm. Well, I am really happy to have you here. And, you know, I think that you and I are threads in the same cloth or the yin and the yang of the same thing. We are, oh, from the moment you and I met personally, we knew we had a real deep connection and an affinity for this message that we're going to talk about today. So I'm really looking forward to this show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And, you know, Dustin, if you've listened to my show, I have a traditional first question. And I would be remiss if I didn't go there. So I want to bring this to you, Dustin DePerna. What does all things connected mean to you? Well, that's such an important question. And I think it's an important question for this particular time that we're living in. 
Um, there is a sense that a living a life and making choices from a materialistic understanding that things aren't connected. So where academic disciplines aren't connected, where we're not connected to where our food comes from, where human systems are greatly disconnected, we see that it results in turmoil around the world. And so there's a fundamental need for humanity to feel connected and to know that they are connected. Very practical level, it means that we're interdependent upon each other as human beings. But on a deeper and what I would call a more spiritual level, I think there's something in that phrase that really points to the fact that there truly is a level of our own awareness that's uh, unboundedly whole and that is not only interconnected with everything, but actually is blended in a fullness with all of life and with all living things. And the basis of my work, and I hope what we get to explore but today, are what the meditative and spiritual traditions tell us both about the pathway to the realization of that blended wholeness of connectivity, but also the uh, realization itself and what that means and the implications that it has for all of us as human beings. Mm. Thank you. Yes. I'm going to answer your question. Yes. We're going to explore that because this is your work and I couldn't appreciate it more. Dustin, I the thing I like about your response is bringing in those three different levels and every once in a while on a show you know we'll talk about those practical levels and all things connected can mean so many different things to different people and just really peeling back those layers to get to that um one source kind of thing is an important part of this conversation and so I I really want to dive deeper into that and I know you are a master of this and I have to tell you 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 communicate in person so eloquently your voice is so yummy by the way thank you for this yummy voice you bring to us I can't imagine sitting with you as a meditation teacher it would just be just remarkable but your book is so um, what do I want to say? I have streams of wisdom in front of me, and it's it's you wrote this because you wanted this deeper dive, and it is very academic. It is very um, well cited, and brings in an integral theory with with religion and spirituality, and it's so immense and. I want to start before we really dig into this and bring it down into a palatable bite-sized pieces for our listeners to really get the gist of, of what streams of wisdom is and what we're talking about here today. But I want to start at the beginning because your, your life is so the embodiment of this topic that we're talking about today. And I'm just curious how a young boy, I think you said you were very young and you just couldn't read enough. Let's talk about your journey of what brought you here. How does a young boy just start digging into religion and spirituality and philosophy and and then begin studying with Ken Wilber and writing amazing books? How do you get here? It's, it's such a, a juicy question. So. <laughs> From as far back as I can remember, I would have this 
phrase that would just come to me. I, I call it a mantra, and it was, who am I, why am I here? And this phrase was with me, uh, I mean, I was at least six or seven, uh, I have clear memories, and I'm sure it was going on before that, but I would constantly ask myself, who am I, why am I here? And as I would ask that question, I would immediately come to this deep sense of clear presence, this deep sense of wakefulness and being really alert and attentive to my present circumstance. I used to call this this weird experience that I would have, and I would ask all of my friends about it, and no one had any idea what I was talking about. I was living in Ohio at the time, and there wasn't a lot of reference for spirituality outside of the context of traditional religion. And as I began to mature, this sort of capacity for accessing this particular state continued with me. I began to dream very intensely. I used to lucid dream, meaning that I would be conscious in the midst of my dreams, and I would be able to uh, consciously change and shift the dreams. I used to jump up and close my eyes in the middle of the dream, and I could shift dreams. I thought, again, this was totally normal, and then I started to talk to my, my friends and family about this, and no one else sort of had any reference point for what I was talking about. And so I quickly learned that the answers to my questions And basically, my spiritual friends weren't going to come from my immediate community, but would come from books. And I began diving into exploring everything I could about religion, about spirituality, about some of these experiences that I knew were real because I was having them myself. And it led me on an incredible path that actually started with an exploration of the afterlife. It then led into the deeper paths that come from our religious and spiritual traditions, I began reading the Upanishads and some of these Eastern philosophical texts. Um, I then returned to a uh, rereading the New Testament, and then I came into a deeper understanding of the Buddhist tradition. So really, my entire background was one of a search for wisdom and a search for truth. And how that's brought me to this moment now is that I found in so many different areas of exploration, I found people siloed. I found people a bit disconnected or embedded in their particular worldview. And because I was raised with such a diverse background of intellectual interest and practice, and because I was studying these texts, it really led me to a place now where I consider all of humanity as part of a single wisdom lineage. I say that all of humanity is actually part of the great tradition, this treasury of wisdom that we've inherited from our past and that we carry with us now just points to what it means to be human and what our potential is. And it was through sort of that inquiry and through that exploration that I came in contact with Ken Wilber. And Ken Wilber, for those of you who don't know, is an amazing synthesizer of human wisdom and of human knowledge. And it was in Ken's work and my relationship with Ken that I really felt one of my first uh, true uh, friends on the spiritual path. I consider myself uh, for many years a student of Ken's, and we've since grown to become dear friends and colleagues, both mutually exploring what a world looks like where we honor all traditions and come to explore the potential that's innate and possible for all of us. Um, but it was a long journey, Julie, and I was, I was certainly alone for a lot of the early parts of my path. And uh, I've only felt over the past decade or so that I've really come into a deep and rich relationship with, with you know, hundreds, if not thousands of other people now who share this journey with me. And um, if nothing else, maybe we can impart to the listener that if they're alone on their spiritual journey, to not give up hope. And that there are so many of us out there who, who really do understand this deeper sense of connectivity that your show points to. Mm, yeah, thank you for that. And we will definitely um, c- 
continue to remind the listeners how they can connect because there's so many there's so many that are feeling alone and and sometimes that aloneness in that place of deep connectivity is extremely peaceful and beautiful and you know a very worthy and meaningful journey for us and yet it can be lonely and especially when we when we come out of those different states and let's talk about that next but when we come out of those different states and we look at the world around us um, it doesn't look too connected at times. So I'd love for you, maybe you could give us a little introduction to you. Your book is so comprehensive, Dustin, it blows me away. Let's just bring this into simple terms of, sure. of just starting with some of these different states that you talk about and, and what this means for our spiritual path. Great. Well, I think there's three um, fundamental dimensions that anybody exploring spirituality or engaging in a spiritual path ought to at least be familiar with. And I articulate these because they certainly um, are complementary to each other, but they're really different capacities that we can develop. And so the first is what I call spiritual awakening or spiritual realization. And spiritual awakening is the process through which we understand that our own identity um, isn't necessarily a separate individuated self. Yes, it appears that way at first. But as we look deeper into our own experience, we begin to realize that our awareness and our thoughts actually aren't the same. We then also realize that our awareness and our emotions aren't the same. Even our awareness and our sense of who we are as a personality, our personality changes over time, but this awareness that we are is deeper than that. And finally, we begin to see that even this level of awareness that doesn't even enter into the stream of time, or that isn't constricted by space, but is vast, we begin to realize layer by layer that there is a deeper identity or a true self with a capital S that actually is unbounded and whole already, just as it is. And so that's that first dimension of spiritual awakening. And there are many, many practices and various meditative techniques that can gradually help introduce you to these different levels of spiritual awakening of these deeper layers of identity. So that's the first is what I call spiritual awakening or realization. The second category is something that, that I refer to as spiritual intelligence. And spiritual intelligence is the basic way in which, over time, we can grow and mature in the ways that we interpret information, the way that we take multiple perspectives, and in general, the way that we grow as a more loving being in the world, how we can hold more and more of humanity in our heart. And there are incredible studies that are, are now being done at the work of Cindy Wigglesworth, one with her company, Deep Change, has done a lot of work around spiritual intelligence. And it really is a skill that we can develop. And so spiritual awakening and spiritual intelligence aren't the same thing. One might be spiritually intelligent, but maybe not uh, have disidentified their own awareness out of these layers of reality to come to know themselves as unbounded wholeness. But it could also be the case that one may be spiritually awake, but they may not have the complexity of spiritual intelligence to know how to translate that into real-world action. These are the first two categories. The final category is something I call access to spiritual states. And this is generally the capacity that we have to generate access to, say, uh, our dream state in a very conscious way. So when I described lucid dreaming earlier, one thing that we know is possible is that we can take wakefulness into the dreaming state. We sometimes call that the subtle realm. 
we can actually live in the dream state just like we're living in the waking state. It's also true that we can take that awareness into our deep sleep. We can begin to live in deep sleep just like we live here. We live in the sense of perfect stillness. And so these three dimensions are all different and distinct. And it's important that people know that because there's a lot of confusion that happens today. There's a lot of people who think that entering into different states, whether it's lucid dreaming or just a state, a temporary state of bliss or a temporary state of stillness, a lot of people think that entering into states is the same as what we might call spiritual awakening or spiritual intelligence. And it was really to make a distinction between these three dimensions that I wrote, Streams of Wisdom. And what's been amazing is that through my research for that book and my own academic study, as I find that there are very subtle but clear distinctions made even within our world's religious and spiritual traditions that try to point towards some of these differences. Uh, the fact is just that they haven't been pointed out in Western research um, to a very large degree. And so part of my mission and intention is to try to bring greater clarity to those who are beginning on a spiritual path and help them understand what is what in the spiritual landscape. So I don't want to go into too much more detail to, to sort of bore your listeners, but I certainly want to give at least a glimpse of some of the depths of the work that I'm doing. Yeah, thank you. That was that was perfect. And just looking at those three dimensions, what you, what you mentioned that that I hear a lot in my work too is that um, people will have one of those experience experiences. They'll have this yep. spiritual awakening experience, and then they'll say, "Well, I had my awakening when yep. blah blah blah," and then we hear. The different spiritual paths, the metaphysical stuff, the different um, religious traditions, you know, it's like, is that what we call um, born again and Christianity? And then it gets really muddled up and people, uh, you know, I think that because we haven't had you and the book that you wrote and, and other spiritual leaders like you speaking this and really teaching um, these subtle differences that we really we just have to we're we're creating it as we move and it gets all muddled like I said so bring that into just before we go into the tra different traditions and the different paths then where do you think we're at as a humanity as a whole because here Newsweek writes mm -hmm. this huge special edition and I was so excited and I get it and it's you know and it's about chakras and crystals and <laughs> you know and it's like oh no let's don't miss the boat again with all the different pieces of it so where are we at as a humanity where are we at with our collective consciousness wow great question um, I think we're actually at it on the precipice of, of definitely deep, the deepening of these the sense of interconnectedness here's why I say that there was a, a recent study done, um, I believe it was by Gallup, and it explored uh, over a 50-year trajectory. It looked at sort of the 1950s, the number of people that had mystical experiences. And then I think it was just recently, around 2011 or so, um, they asked again the number of people that have had these uh, spiritual or mystical experiences. And the numbers are absolutely staggering. Um, there is... Uh, I think the number was something upwards of like 59% of the American population 
has had some sort of spiritual or mystical experience of peace and well-being. And when I just look at that number, and I look at what it's jumped from, it jumped from something, I think, in the 20s, when we were back in the 1950s. When I just look at that number, and I look at how many people are at least having some of these state experiences of, of positive well-being or, or peace, um, I get really hopeful. It shows me that there actually is a trajectory that we're on as human species, and we are waking up to a certain degree. So I think that's great. Now, there's much more nuance to bring to that consideration. I think you were pointing at some of it in that um, there's a big difference between being interested in, say, crystals or subtle energies um, when we compare that to, say, something like authentic spiritual awakening. And those distinctions need to be made and need to be made clearly. Um, but in a general sense, it's positive. There is a, a general access beyond sort of materialistic reductionism, which is our normal scientific worldview, and is something that's a bit more available to things that are subtler and some access to altered states or these different subtler dimensions of reality. I think that's all good. So I think we're on a very positive trajectory. So, Dustin, from your research and study, and you you have um, a, just a beautiful resume, and I didn't get to read all of it, but I want to encourage our listeners to go to your website, DustinDiperna.com. That's D-U-S-T-I-N-D-I-P-E-R-N-A.com, and look at Dustin's bio and education. But from your perspective, then, we have you know, this big awakening, I'm going to just say it in that way with quotes around it, of all of these near-death experiences. We have people who are experiencing with spiritual paths. They're having, I mean, we could talk about all kinds of different um, awakening experiences that, that people are having. What are some of those? And, and what do you notice about our human consciousness of the path once we have these experiences what typically happens in the consciousness i mean some go back to sleep some wake up even more and then we're into those other two dimensions that we talked about we have four minutes before break but i'd love to hear you just briefly share with us what you see happening absolutely so you know i didn't share my own personal biography that Part of what really was a catalyst in my own awakening experience is that I didn't have near-death experience, but I certainly had um, consistent what are called out-of-body experiences, where I literally felt like there was some sort of subtle body or subtle consciousness that would leave the physical body, and I literally could explore the, the physical realms. I, at one point in time, I joke, it's true, but I joke and say that I once w- uh, saw my girlfriend with another man uh, while I was sort of traveling out of my physical body mm-hmm. and, uh, and caught her, basically, you know, having an affair. And I, I often say that I was so excited about the validation of the experience that I sort of bypassed the whole thing that she was sort of being with another person. We did end up breaking up, but it was so fantastic. And so I think what really comes from these experiences is that we can no longer accept and buy this current form of scientific reductionism. We begin to yes. see that a scientific worldview is actually, um, when it's restricted and it's not subjected to its own scientific process or scientific methodology, it becomes a religion in itself. There's a form of fundamentalist scientism that's currently rampant in our culture. And it's just as closed-minded as a form of fundamentalist religion. And when we can begin to examine our own experience with an open mind, 
we have the opportunity to do the same thing with science. I don't know those of you who saw, but Rupert Sheldrake gave a great TED Talk looking at applying the scientific method towards science itself and science worldview, and uh, it created a lot of controversy. So I think there's something there around breaking free from a more fundamentalist orientation towards the scientific paradigm of, of material reductionism. Just can't accept it anymore. Beautiful. So for those listeners out there, maybe you've had a near-death experience. Maybe you've had out-of-body experiences. Maybe you have incredible experiences of bliss in meditation. Maybe you're a lucid dreamer. I love that. I've had all of the above. We are going to go into what this path means and really let's talk about bringing these paths together into that unity place that we've been talking about. So, I am Dr. Julie Kroll. You're listening to The Dr. Julie Show. We're here with Dustin DePerna. We're talking about his book, Streams of Wisdom. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, Larry, mind if I sit down? Nope. Coffee tastes like uh, coffee. So what's going on? Not much. What's new? Not much. Okay, but can you please put the newspaper down while you say not much? What newspaper? This newspaper. Oh, dude. What happened to your face? I see one, two, Ow. three, four, five, six. Ow. Dude, what is Ow. this? Eleven pieces of toilet paper stuck to your face? I'm shaving in the dark to save energy. I'm helping the environment. That's a dangerous way to help the environment. Well, sometimes you have to sacrifice yourself for the greater good. Dude, there's an easier and safer way to help the environment without sacrificing yourself. Go green, go public. Take public transportation. It's good for the environment and you won't have to live behind a newspaper. Wow. But for now, put the newspaper back up. A message from the public transportation systems across the country. To learn more, visit publictransportation.org. It's always nice to come home, but these days, many Americans are at risk of foreclosure and losing their homes. Fortunately, help is available. Making Home Affordable is a free program from the U.S. government that has already helped over a million struggling homeowners, and we want to help you. I'm home, I'm home, and I love it, I'm home. Find out now what your options are. Go to makinghomeaffordable.gov or call 1-888-995-HOPE. The sooner you act, the better chance we can help you. I'm home. I'm home. Where I be Brought to you by the U.S. Treasury, HUD, and the Ad Council. Sassy. Sassy. This week's episode, Danger at the Old Well. Last one to the old well's a rotten egg. Ha ha, I win. Whoa! Ah! Sassy! Johnny fell down the well! I'm wet! What, Sassy? You know where Mr. Gunderson keeps his rope? Go get it, girl! What? You'd rather use his time to set people straight about shelter pet adoption? I'm cold! People shouldn't be afraid to adopt from a shelter? 
Because shelter pets are screened for sound health and temperament? I'm wet and cold! Sassy, what about Johnny? <laughs> what? Let Johnny sit in the well until he learns to be more self-reliant? Sassy! What do you say? Sassy is brought to you by the Ad Council and the shelterpetproject.org. Remember, adopt! Now, back to the Dr. Julie Show. All things connected on Empower Radio. Welcome back. Hey, if you're inspired by our conversation today and want to share it with others, maybe just listen to it again. Please visit our website at thedrjulieshow.com where you'll find the archive links and listings of our upcoming guests and also stay connected all week on our Facebook page, All Things Connected with Dr. Julie, where we continue the conversation. And if you're enjoying this conversation, please sign up for my email list where you'll get more on the topic of spirituality and so much more personal insights from me as well. And I would be ever so grateful, so would Dustin, if you'd share this link with your family and friends. So once again, we are talking with Dustin DePerna, and you can find Dustin at DustinDePerna.com. You spell that D-U-S-T-I-N-D-I-P-E-R-N-A.com. You can also find him on Facebook at the same place, Dustin DePerna, so please look him up. Dustin Right before the break, you were talking about these states of consciousness, and we were, it's really a yummy, a yummy conversation. Really, I love to get together with people and talk about their experiences. And when people can share those experiences, whether they feel that they're mystical experiences, magical experiences, awakening, doesn't matter. It always feels so good to connect with others that are having these experiences and feel that connectedness to the universe and one of the things that where your brilliance shines your genius shines is that you've taken this integral theory and you've brought it into the different religious traditions as well and so many of us are grounded in different traditions and so we you know if if we're having these experiences we kind of look through the lens or a filter of of maybe our upbringing and and Either we fit or we don't fit, then we feel lost and disconnected or or more connected. So we have these Eastern traditions and they're, they're teaching meditation and, and things that maybe some of the Westerns aren't. And so it's really a confusing thing. It's There's just so much out there when we talk about religion and different spiritual traditions. How can you make that? easier for our listeners to really understand and start deepening into maybe one universal path and and what is um what's the interconnected threads that weave through all of our religious traditions wow that's such a a a good question julie thank you i think before fully answering that one of the important things to remember is that a lot of this comes down to language And it also comes down to the perspectives that we tend to bias Mm -hmm. in our experience. just want to give one concrete example of that, and then we can go a bit deeper. So we hear this word meditation, which is very common, as you said, in Eastern traditions. We hear the word prayer, which is often used in our Western traditions. And I want to make the suggestion that one of the main differences between prayer and meditation is the perspective one is taking. So meditation tends to take a first-person perspective. What that means is that the meditative path leads you on a a journey to explore your own awareness. That means your own inner sense of self. 
And that's a whole pathway, and there are many, many different teachers and teachings that lead you along that first-person pathway. The path of prayer works with a second-person perspective. That means the I and thou, the great other, whether it's the universe, whether it's God, whatever symbol or idea we use, whatever kind of impulse we have there, it's based on relationship. We also have uh, something we sometimes in the West call contemplation. Contemplation is the process by which we begin to explore ideas. We have inquiries into uh, third-person objects, more of a mental exploration. And I just think, to use that as an example, to say that perspectives and language often get in the way a bit. When we really drive down to the core of these traditions, we do see that there are fundamental deep structures that are similar across these different paths. So, for example, within the uh, Islamic tradition, particularly the Sufi aspects of the Islamic tradition, we have great scholars like someone named Ibn Arabi. And Ibn Arabi speaks about the recognition of one's supreme identity, the supreme sense of identity being not separate from the divine itself. We see something similar in the Vedantic or Hindu tradition, where they speak about the, the deepest aspect of, of one's own self being the same as Brahman, the same as the universal self, capital S self. And I think it's these kind of nuances, whether we're talking about Islam, or we're talking about Hinduism, or we're looking at the levels within Buddhism that eventually lead to uh, awakening, awakened awareness, or Dharmakaya awareness. All these aspects are pointing towards this first-person pathway, the pathway through which we explore the own depths of our own awareness. And I think when we begin to understand the difference between language and perspectives, and then can actually create sort of what I call a Rosetta Stone of spiritual experience, we actually understand what is what, all of a sudden we see all of these traditions laid out in front of us, and we see that there are deep structures as long as we're aligning around perspectives. So we could say the same thing about a second-person prayer perspective. There's a deep structure around relationship that leads toward this deeper sense of union. Same thing around contemplation. There's a pathway that leads us through an intellectual understanding of reality itself. And so I think on the fundamental level, Julie, the most important thing is we, stop, we take a moment to pause, and we don't automatically assume that we're antagonistic with each other. Mm-hmm. But if we begin to take the perspective that, wow, maybe by stepping back, we see that these different pathways are deeply complementary. Not to say that they all lead to the same thing, because different perspectives lead towards different types of experience. But it is the case that they deeply complement and enrich each other. And it's when we see the whole spectrum of traditions laid out on the table that we really get a sense of who we are as a human species and what our potential is for spiritual experience and spiritual realization. Mm. Beautiful. Thank you. Mm. I just want to pause into that and just, it's, that is a, a really nice way for us to really feel it. And of course, your book goes into so much more depth and, and does lay it out for us so you can actually see it. So I just want to put that plug in, but thank you for, for the way you explain that to us. So we are looking at religions and looking at these paths and we're beginning to see these similarities mm-hmm. and those that are waking up, Dustin are going, of course, that's my experience now. It's the same thing, and it just looks a little different. So we have 
it's nice. Fifty nine percent of our Americans have had mystical experience. That's that is. I'm just as excited about that as you. That's optimistic. So we have these people in these waking up experiences, and then we began to see the the similarity and the connectedness and the interconnectedness, and we began to see ourselves as this whole. So. I, I know I'm asking you really big questions, and I hope you forgive me for for putting you on the spot on the show, but I know you're capable of answering them, so I really appreciate that. So here we have this awakening, and we begin bridging, and we began looking, and now one of the things that you're really good at is moving us from this place of spiritual awakening to social transformation. And it's not so much that we have to go out and wake everybody else up because we're we are having this collective consciousness is evolving us into this new way of being. It seems like that people are waking up everywhere in all kinds of different ways, but we, you know, our words today hopefully will tap into someone's psyche and and go, "Oh yeah, there's this remembering or this recognition." But when you talk about social transformation you really are talking about something different and I, I really want to bring this um, in now because I think it's our call it's not just to have a conversation about our juicy experiences and go oh isn't this cool but it's now a responsibility it's a calling for us to bring this into synergistic relationships with others for a greater good, to really help our planet, help our humanity, our, our, our human species today. So when you talk about moving from spiritual awakening into social transformation, what do you mean and where do you see us going? Great. Well, one of the, the phrases that, that I've been using for five or six years now is wake up, grow up, clean up, show up. Waking up is coming to know our true nature as non-separate, or really a part of this whole. Growing up is developing these capacities of spiritual intelligence through different stages. Cleaning up means that we understand that we have gone through traumatic events and need healing and therapy in certain aspects of our own consciousness. And showing up is really this dimension you're talking about. Showing up means showing up in the world as this more uh, awake and conscious human being to make real-world impact. And I think the best way to begin articulating the contours of showing up is to just give us some context. So in the 1960s, we saw two major groups of people who began to engage the world. We saw one group of people emerge who was really focused on external activism, making the world a better place. These people were fighting for civil rights, for human rights, for women's rights. There was a sense that we could architect the world and the reality that we wanted by socially engaging. And this group's fantastic. We also had another group of people who turned their awareness inward, people who began to look at the interior of their own experience, exploring consciousness. We saw these people exploring and experimenting with psychedelics. We saw people practicing meditation with gurus and meditation masters from the East. And I often say that these two groups each had their strengths and their liabilities, so clearly, uh, the strengths of the social activists who turned their attention outward meant that they had impact in the world. But the liability there is that a lot of these people ended up finding themselves coming into burnout. 
and that no matter how much action they made, it still didn't compare to the amount of work and the amount of change needed. On the interior side, those that turned their consciousness inward, they often had the experience of having deep insights to the nature of their own self or reality, a deep sense of interconnectedness, perhaps even accessing a, a, a wellspring of inexhaustible love or energy. But oftentimes, this group of people didn't have any impact in the world. So we see liabilities and benefits with both groups. And the most incredible thing about this moment in time now is that we really see these two streams coming together. We see people who have this internal sense of conscious awareness, a sense of awakening, and we see those people also engaging in the world for real-world impact. And so one of the ways that I've, in my own work in the world, have tried to integrate these two streams is through something that we've called Synergy Forum. And Synergy Forum is basically an opportunity for those of us who are coming into these deeper levels of awareness and awakening consciousness to begin engaging in real-world action, sharing that with the world through cooperation and synergy, and actually making an impact, showing that the strength of the realization, the strength of our practice, can actually come together to mutually enhance all participants involved and to engage in the world. And I think that, you know, above all else, the real-life grounded action combined with an inexhaustible energy that doesn't allow burnout is really going to be one of the true catalysts of the next 100 years of our experience here on the planet. And I'm thrilled about it. I'm thrilled that it's happening. And it feels like the timing couldn't be better. It feels like that wave that was started in the 1960s, now, what, 55 years later, is now really coming to full fruition. And those two streams of inward and outward expression and exploration have joined forces now. So I'm thrilled about that. Uh, on an even broader scale, there is something happening. And this is something where I feel like humanity as a whole is maturing. Now, I have a good friend, uh, Dwayne Elgin, who's an author and writer, and he's done surveys around the world. And he asks uh, people from every culture, every different economic and social background, men and women, he says, at what phase in life do you think humanity is currently at? Are they children? Are they teenagers? Are they adults? Or are they elders? And universally, two-thirds of people around the world say that we're teenagers. And I think what also is happening now, in addition to this consciousness stream and the social activist stream coming together, I think with that what also happens is that humanity as a whole is starting to move into adulthood. There is a potential now that the sort of petty fighting and some of the things that happen because of separation and tribalism can really start to find a way to come into deeper harmony. And this is the process of humanity growing into adults. We're at the early stages of it, but I, I'm thrilled that this is actually the moment we're living in. And anything that we can do, and shows like yours, Julie, who can help us come to a deeper understanding of some of our wisdom as a human species, those are the types of catalysts we need to really bring humanity into its adulthood. So I really see you as a midwife, and I hope that some of the work that I can do can also help birth humanity into its next level of evolution. Mm. Well, thank you for that compliment. And yes, you are. And yes, that is you. Um, thank you. That was really, again, you do a really good job of synthesizing some really comprehensive ideas into a 
easily understood and really um, embodied. We can really embody that and go, oh, yeah, that I see that now. I get that. We're growing up. And, that, yeah, there's that consciousness stream and that activism stream. So thank you for bringing that into synthesis for us. So, Dustin, the Synergy Forum piece is really important. And I, I just want to come back to that because I know um, – we met through a lot of the same kind of work, and we're having another Synergy Forum in May, and you get to do your thing. But let's, number one, I want to remind people, and, and maybe they can go to the website and find more information on, um, I'll make sure it's on my website too, but there will be a Synergy Forum in May at Sunrise Ranch in Colorado, is that correct? Yep, that's right. Thursday, May 19th through Sunday, May 22nd. And people can go to globalpurposemovement.com. Globalpurposemovement.com. Go globalpurposemovement.com. And you can go to the Sunrise Ranch website, and they have information on it there as well, sunriseranch.com. So, um, Dustin, what happens at a Synergy Forum, and why might someone want to go? So they're having these experiences. They're wanting to serve a greater capacity, meet with other people. And I love the word synergy because it's so important. What might one expect coming to a Synergy Forum, and what would be the outcome? Excellent. So Synergy Forum uh, is basically a process. So we've been holding them globally. We've had a couple in Switzerland, some in Germany here in the United States. And the process is three parts. First, we say that it's fundamental that we have some sort of connection to our inherent unity. We, we call this source recognition. So to start things off, we always start off with both meditative techniques and other forms of practice that help the entire group get a sense of this inherent unity of existence. We say that's the foundation. Next, from that foundation or from that source recognition, we always say that each of us has something to contribute. Each individual has something to contribute, or if people are there as representatives of organizations, we say that each organization has something to contribute. We call that unique purpose. Everyone, everything, every organization has a unique purpose. And what we do is we set up a container whereby everybody can either find out their unique purpose or they can share it with the entire group. And by coming from source and then sharing unique purpose, we have this beautiful dance of unity and diversity or a sense of unity coming into form and expressing its uniqueness. But that still isn't enough. This isn't just sort of a a gathering of people to be empowered and to share their gifts or purpose. The key part of every synergy form is the process of collective synergy. And in collective synergy, we use that foundation of inherent unity and each person expressing purpose to then come into a sense of how, when we share and work together, when we cooperate to share efforts, strengths, ideas, when we work together, how can we actually be more than any single part? How do we actually become more whole and more full? And what we found over and over again is starting with that foundation of inherent unity, moving into purpose, and then coming into synergy really is a secret formula, and it's a formula that allows great things to emerge. So if anybody's interested in learning more about that, certainly go to globalpurposemovement.com. You can also go to our synergyforum.org website, and you can see all the different organizations who are involved with what we're doing. And um, Julie, I think just as an expression of 
of this process, we really have met through that context. And I think that this show is just one of many, many expressions of what it means to come together and collaborate and cooperate for the good of the whole, as you would say. Mm, yeah, thank you so much for that. And so true is that when the greater connectivity that happens, the, and, and I couldn't agree more, it comes from that source recognition when we're in that inherent unity and really come into our fullest expression as individuals. It's like we become the expression of that inherent unity. And when we do that without fear, without reservation, without kind of kind of sharing a little bit of who I am and my unique identity. But when we really come into our fullest expression, the synergy piece just flows. It just exactly. becomes this beautiful new creation that wants to create through us. It's amazing those kinds of experiences can be. And so just, you know, we're coming on the close of the show and there's so many beautiful practices that we can do as a collective. There's um, amazing initiatives and innovations that have come out of this same thing all over the world. I know that you are so aware of so many of them. What last kind of piece might you want to say to our listeners to really inspire them? Um, I know this was a broad show and we really were, you know, we started out of talking about our spiritual experiences and, and the awakening and, and now moving into this global transformation part, the social transformation. But I really want to inspire our listeners that they don't have to go out and do something huge or big. They don't have to to worry about things that are outside of their own unique expression to do. But what's, what's the recipe, Dustin? What's the directive that really could lead us all into being more... Um, active in this evolutionary process and this we space that we're creating. Great. I'd like to, to offer a practice. Is that okay, Julie? Beautiful, yes. So this was a, a teaching that's been uh, adapted from a conversation I had with Ken Wilber. And I'd just like to share it with the listeners in, in hopes that they can put it into practice in their own lives. And so this is a practice called Golden Eyes. So it's how we start to see the world and everyone through these golden eyes. And the practice is, is, um, goes like this. Everybody that you meet and everybody that you come in contact with, you have a responsibility to bring forth the best in them. And one of the ways to do that is by seeing everybody as a teacher and a teaching. And one of the approaches that we can take is that we begin to look at everybody as if they're more awake than we are. That means we just... We just look at them as if they are someone who's deeply connected to their own inherent unity. And we see them as more evolved than we are, meaning that we just take the perspective that they have so many incredible gifts and offerings that they have to share with us. And this orientation does two things. The first is that, A, it may be true. It may be true that the person that you're looking at with these golden eyes is more awake or is more evolved than you are. And if that's the case, then fantastic. You're in right relationship to them, and you therefore can open up the channels of learning and humility to really absorb all that you can from this person that you're with. So beautiful. You come with a space of humility. If, in fact, maybe it's not true relatively, maybe this person isn't really more awake or isn't really more evolved than you are. 
if that's the case, the practice is still incredible because what it does is by looking at someone with golden eyes, you're literally holding open their future potential. By looking at them with these eyes, you're holding open the possibility for them to come into their own knowing of inherent unity and for them to come into their own potential of spiritual evolution and growth. And I found that that single practice has absolutely revolutionized my life. When I hold that in my awareness throughout all of my relationships, through my friendships, it does something to liberate potential in a we space, to liberate potential between two, three, or four human beings. And it's something that anybody can do. And so I encourage uh, anybody listening to just try this. Try this for an hour. Try it for five minutes. Try it for a day. Try it for your life. But that practice of golden eyes opens up the potential for an unbelievable pathway of transformation for our human species. And it's one of the biggest benefits that you can bring to the world. Oh, thank you, Dustin. That is really beautiful and a great practice for all of us. I remember um, about a decade ago, I had a friend who was traveling on the plains of Nebraska going to a ranch, and she said she had this experience driving down the road of a thought of what if those cows in that pasture over there are more evolved than I am? And what if they're more awakened than I am? And it totally changed her whole entire, you know, conversation with herself and, and the world. But it really shifted my perspective, too. So thank you for that. That was really, really beautiful. Dustin, um, just I'm going to close here in a second, but I just want to thank you so much for sharing your wisdom, your your brilliance with us here today. You you make everyone you come in contact feel so much better. I I you're 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 achieving your practice. You are a master. Thank you so much, and thank you for being here with us today. Julie, thank you so much. And I just have to say that I've done a lot of interviews, and this has been so delightful. And I just have so much deep respect for everything you're doing with your show and with Good of the Whole. And I just wish you the best of luck. And please let me know how I can be of of service. Mm, thank you. There, there you are again, you know, practicing what you're teaching all of us. So thank you for that. And I just want to remind our listeners, we are talking with Dustin DePerna, and you can find Dustin at DustinDePerna.com. And you can also find him on Facebook. So um, find, look up DustinDePerna.com, D-I-P-E-R-N-A is how you spell his last name. And Hopefully our conversation today helped you make sense of your own spiritual experience and did it did it help you better understand where you are on your spiritual path and what to expect next? If so, you know, Dustin and I would love to hear from you. Leave us a message on the Facebook page where we continue the conversation. And remember, there are wondrous possibilities awaiting your discovery. I want to thank Dustin for pointing us to a future of positivity for all. We're together. We create connections for the greater good of the whole. Until next time, I'm sending you a world of love. So thank you so much. We'll see you right back here next week. Bye for now. 